This is The Michael Wall Show. Michael is a speaker, author, and president of Wall Private Wealth. His passion is to help families live on purpose and live with purpose. And now, here's Michael Wall. Welcome in, everyone, to a brand new show this week, The Michael Wall Show. Hey, if you've just joined us, this is your first time. Welcome in. Welcome into the show. Randy joins us uh, each and every week. He is a co-host, shares thoughts, advice, insight. And Randy is, uh, last name is Cook. I always like to say Randy's in the studio cooking up some good stuff, Randy. I know you're always dialing it in. I appreciate that, by the way. Well, we are here and we got a very good show today. I got a great guest here coming in. We're going to talk architecture on the island. It should be very interesting. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, there's been a lot of interesting things that have happened over the course of the last week. Um, and, and we really want to kind of be talking about some of those things. By the way, if you have been listening each and every week, let me just pause and say thank you for dialing in. I know we li- have listeners all over the place, all over the world. Thank you for that. I know some of you listen via radio. Some of you listen via podcast. Most of you listen via podcast. If you're listening on the radio and you say, how do I get this on podcast? You know, we got these neat little things today called smartphones. I'm looking at mine. They have all of this smart technology in it. You can actually download the show, listen to the show. Just go to your favorite podcast app. Just search Michael Wall Show on your podcast app. You can subscribe. We'd love to hear your feedback. Love to hear your comments, what you'd like to hear on the show. At any point in time, go to Facebook. Just search Michael Wall Show. You can listen to some stuff there and check us out as well. But this show, you're right, Randy, we're going to talk about a lot of different things from the very beginning, talking about be the influence you're called to be. What does that look like, especially with all the stuff that we've seen with Parkland and the shootings? I just kind of weigh in real quickly on that, why that matters, how we can all come together and really make a difference and not get caught into the weeds of all these conversations, but really make a difference. We're going to have a little unique off the wall moment. We're going to be starting to do that each and every week. Just kind of cool things that are coming out. Hot Wheels having a big anniversary. And hey, maybe you should have invested in some Hot Wheels. <laughs> There's a little surprise. There's uh, Hot Wheels worth a lot of money now. We're going to talk about that coming up. We're also going to talk about the three things that you really need to stay away from with your wealth. You got to stay away from these three things. You don't want to miss that. Coming up a little later in the segment. And Dan Kahan, good friend, also a partner in Smith and Moore Architects. They build high-end luxury real estate here in Palm Beach Island and other spots of the world. Very, very boutique, high-end luxury stuff. We're going to talk about how that world has changed and what it looks like if you're out there and you want to build a high-end luxury uh, space. Or maybe you like Architectural Digest and some of these other real estate books. Well, some of the properties that these guys have had are properties that you're going to see in uh, magazines like that. So we're going to talk about what that space looks like. And before we jump in, as always... I want to step back. Before you step up, you got to step back. And I want to take a moment, and I really want to dial into this motivational segment, this this uh, first segment of the show, and talk to you as you're listening to this about being the influence that you've been called to be. Now, whether you're a worker, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, you know, I'm a dad a business owner, a worker, uh, I mean, all the above, a volunteer person at Christ Fellowship. We, we dial in a lot there. Wearing a lot of hats a lot of times. And it can be, life can be busy. But, you know, in light of all of the things that kind of went on with this Parkland shooting, and we've seen these in other locations in the country, and it's a shame. I, we really have been praying for families, and I don't just say that lightly. You know, a lot of people use that word, I'm just going to pray for you, and it's just a passing comment. Well, that's not, not with us. We really literally have been taking time to pray for those folks because we know it's, it's, I can't even imagine what they're going through. 
But I want to challenge us as a society, as people, as you're listening to this. You know, there's a lot of conversation now about guns are the problem, this is the problem, that's the problem, mental health is a problem. And certainly there's things that need to be addressed within each one of those environments and places. But I want to challenge you, as I've been challenging myself, to say, okay, what are we actually doing to be the solution? You know, we live in a world today where children are, in a lot of ways, an afterthought. Even, even with our own kids, we're, we're chasing in America and in the world. We're chasing the American dream. We're chasing the next best thing. Sometimes it's easier to just write a check and, and, and be involved financially with an organization than it is to actually give of our time. So I want to challenge you to evaluate your own life, not point the finger to this law or that law or the president or the government or the Congress or the Senate or the teachers or whoever. But I want you to take that pointed finger and turn it around to yourself. And as a country, as a people, one family, one person, one child at a time, say, what can I do? Be saying, "Okay, I'm going to step back and I'm going to look for kids if I don't have kids on my own. And I'm going to look for kids that I can bring alongside and I can coach and I can encourage and I can instruct and I can help them know that, you know what, you are valuable. There's a purpose for your life. It's not okay to bully other kids. It's not okay to think this way. Hey, what are you doing with your free time? Are you sitting down and just playing these uh, video games that are just all about killing people all day, all week, all the time? Well, let's think about thinking differently, parents. Let's think about how we parent. Are, you, are we parenting kids by just putting them in front of a video game or putting them in front of cartoons? I mean, think about all of the violence that we drink in as a society, from movies to shows to games. And we wonder why there's evil that comes out. You cannot continue to put evil in and expect positivity to come out. You cannot have a cup of water and put drops of arsenic in it and expect that it's going to be okay to drink. It just doesn't make sense. Acid destroys the vessel in which it inhabits. And so my question to us, my challenge to us, this first segment, is as a people, let's individually take responsibility with our own kids. It's not easy. I get it. I have four little ones. Cyrus is 10. Justice is 8. The twins are 7. Let's take personal responsibility to say, you know what? No, I'm not going to allow my kids just to sit alongside and play video games all day or let the TV be the babysitter all day. I'm going to pause in my own life instead of just chasing after these uh, financial dreams. I'm going to step back. I'm going to still chase after those dreams, but I'm going to step back and say, I'm going to use my time, my effort, my energy to dial into these kids, to go out in the yard and play ball, to really be in a place where we're, we're spending quality time and I think that's one of the things that we have missed as a culture and as a country. And I'm not saying this is the only answer. I'm not saying those other things out there don't need to be dealt with. But I am saying that when we spend time with children, when you spend time with kids, whether you have kids or not, when we leave the aspect of being totally selfish and all about ourselves, and we look for ways that we can add value to others, not just through writing checks, but actually through spending time, now we're in a place where we are planting seeds of real sustainability in our society again. We didn't see these kind of acts happen really 15, 20 years ago. You never heard about this stuff when I was in school and in high school. There were bad things that occurred, don't get me wrong, but not to the scale that we see today. 
But also in those times, we didn't see things like the video games and all the violence that we have today. We didn't see all the TV shows and movies that we have today. We didn't see parents that were so focused on just building wealth and living their own life and connecting with friends and kind of putting their kids aside. We at least saw a little bit of a family structure. And I want to challenge you, whether you have kids or not, to get back to that. Get back to actually saying, you know what? Kids are the priority. We need to spend solid time with them and quality time with them and not just give up our money, but give up our time and actually not just talk about it, but literally put in our calendars where we're going to actually take steps to make a difference. I believe that by doing those actionable things and not just talking about it, don't just get on Facebook or uh, Twitter or you know, wherever and talk about all the problems and the president and the government and the Congress and the and guns and this NRA and all of these other people. Not that there shouldn't be changes made, but instead of just talking about a problem, let's step back and say, okay, wait a minute. There's a lot of things out there that I can't control, but what I can control is what I do with my time each and every day. And I'm challenging you as I'm challenging myself to take steps and effort. And let me just be real personal. One of the things that we did with our kids is we literally took a week last week and we said, guys, you know what? 100% whole week, no video games. They weren't in trouble. It wasn't something as a punishment. We just said, we're going to change the course of time that our kids and what they're doing with their day and day out. And we're going to play Twister again. And we're going to play little games as a family again. We're going to focus on spending that quality time together again. And I would challenge you to do the same. So that is my motivational segment, encouragement segment, whatever you want to call it. But my challenge to you and to us to look internally and not just point fingers and be in a place where we really are the solution, part of the solution. We're all part of it. We're all accountable. We all live in this country. We all live in this world. It is our responsibility to point the finger internally and say, how can we add value? Instead of just going home and saying it was a long day and having a glass of wine and just kind of saying, I need time to chill. Let's think about what we can do to personally be involved as part of the solution to connecting and encouraging these kids in our society today. So that's my motivational segment. Again, uh, I'm, I'm excited about that, Randy, but I think it's something that we need to be doing Next segment, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to have the off the wall moment, but we're also going to talk about uh, three ways or three things you need to avoid when it comes to finances. Make sure you don't get wrapped up into these things or you could really hurt yourself and your wealth long term. So stay with us. We're going to be back right after this. Hey folks, it's Michael Wall here. Just wanted to share a quick thought on how you can make a huge impact on someone else's life. As an active member of Christ Fellowship, I've had the opportunity to interact with a variety of top-notch charities. And it can be challenging sometimes to know where to get involved, either with your time, financially, or both, and then to be sure that your gifts and donations are really making a change. So I wanted to share with you an organization that has recently been ranked number one by Charity Navigator and is dramatically improving the lives of young people, Place of Hope. Place of Hope has been doing just what its name says, giving hope to young people since the mid-90s. I want to encourage you to visit placeofhope.com. 
placeofhope.com. Again, that's placeofhope.com to learn more and to see how you can help the cause of improving our nation one child at a time. Thanks for joining us for the Michael Wall Show. Now, back to the show. I'm on top of the world, eh? I'm on top of the world, eh? Waiting on this for a lot now. Paying my dues to the dirt. And welcome back to the Michael Wall Show. Find us real easy, michaelwallshow.com. Coming up in this segment, three things to stay away from when it comes to your wealth. So stand by for that one coming up in just a couple of minutes. But first, we're going to do something, start kind of a new segment here. It's called the Off the Wall Moment. Michael, we're going to take a detour, okay? We're just Off gonna, the wall, baby! We're, we're just going to find something out like there it. that's kind of like interesting, it. that, yep, that, yep. that kind of caught our eye here. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you this question. Did you ever play with Hot Wheels cars when you were a kid? Uh, I think the answer is ding, ding, ding. Yes, I did. <laughs> I think all of us love, did. All guys lo- did. Oh, I love playing with Hot Wheels cars, you know, having the little loop-de-loops yep. and doing all that stuff and, um, you know, running my cars up the wall, down the wall, <laughs> off the wall. <laughs> well, we were all over the place. You know what I mean? This is, this year, 2018, is the mm. 50th anniversary of Hot Wheels cars. Can wow. you believe that? So, wow, that's, that's, ama- that's amazing. For the only thing that I was frustrated about with Hot Wheels is... You know, they did not run well on the floor after you ran them through dirt. I <laughs> <laughs> see so you had to use your matchbox cars to to mess with the dirt, and yeah, your yeah, Hot yeah. Wheels cars you kept for the track, okay? Yeah, because if you take the Hot Wheels car, the old school metal ones, which yeah. were the quality cars, you know, and then you took them through the dirt, and then you went ahead and you took them out, uh, you, you know, you rinse them off, and then if they don't dry well, you got to put them under a hair dryer. <laughs> they get all rusty. Well, that's a problem. I got, I got a memory here for you, Michael. All this right, is give it to a, me. this is a commercial from 1968 for Ooh, Hot Wheels cars. Like that. They're new. They're authentic. They're the fastest miniature metal cars you've ever seen. New Hot Wheels only from Mattel. <laughs> I love that. That's I awesome. love that. 1968. Well, 1968. I got to tell you, uh, unfortunately, I did not. I did not see that commercial. I wasn't born until 1977. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but uh, so I'm not going to sit here and say I saw the commercial. But I will say they did a good job of marketing because I I wanted to get Hot Wheels and had Hot Wheels much. Much after. So 50 years old. Mm-hmm. Tell me what that means, Randy, as far as investments. Well, you, when you think about that, people, things become antiques once they become 25 years old. And when yep. they're 50 years old, there's some value a- attached to them. And the, just recently, one Hot Wheels car sold for $125,000. Now, guys, think back. Wow. Did you have the peach, I'm sorry, the pink beach bomb? The Pink Beach Bomb. It was their answer to the VW bus. If you had that, that if you have that, it may be worth an <laughs> awful lot right now. $125,000. Of course, you got to find somebody to buy it, of course. But, yeah. uh, you know, Michael, collectibles. I mean, people save stuff. People have collections. I mean, I'm sure you've run into people with artwork and classic cars and guitar collections and all different things. And that becomes a part of your wealth, doesn't it? It is, and it's 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 kind of sometimes those uh, odd things that you know you work in and you say, "Huh, that's interesting." I mm-hmm. never would have thought, you know, but you keep some of these things like Barbies and all these things. You know, you look back in the day, it just becomes something that's. It's isn't it interesting that as people get older, they kind of like to remember back to some of the stuff sure. back in the good old days when I was young. You know, yeah. that kind of tends to be the thing, and I think that's where this value comes from in a lot of ways. It's it's more of an emotional 
Thai feel. Oh yeah, I remember when I was young and life was easy and things were great and I was doing my all this stuff and so it's it's just amazing some of the value that comes from sometimes. Well, there's all these uh, TV shows now, these restoration yeah. shows, and you think about guys. Yeah. And they say, I always wanted to have that scooter when I was yeah. eight years old, and now I'm sixty. There's one. I'm going to get it, and I'm going to have it restored, and I'm going to have that. And it just it makes you feel good about it because now you finally have that thing that you wanted when you were a kid. Well, that's exactly right. I was talking with a guy, good friend in, uh, in Michigan, and we do some things with, with them. Great, great people. And he's got a friend that uh, he was looking to introduce to us on the you know, private wealth side. And he was talking about he's got about, about $110 million in, in collectible cars. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's just because there's several planes and different things like that, but he's just, he's got a lot of collectible cards. It's just something that he's focused on, done, loved. He's mm-hmm. got other monies, obviously in wealth as well, but you're exactly right. I mean, you see, not everybody's got $110 million of collectible cars, but it's, it is something where, you know, it's, it's a big phenomenon today and it's tangible and it's real and people can see it. And that's important. Well, I wonder then, Michael, I wonder if people overestimate their wealth because they have these collections out there. And that might be one of the three things that you need to stay away from. Let's talk about that. You have a list here of the three things that you need to stay away from when it comes to your wealth. Let's go through that. Yeah, you know, collectibles, first off, are kind of cool. And, and the thing about it is, is because it's, it's, you know, it's kind of a fun thing. But no, you know, Randy, really the three big things specifically that I think consumers, investors, families really need to be looking at staying away from. Well, we caution, stay away from this when you look at investments in general. The first thing, and these are, you would think they would be common course and just normal thought, but they're really not. The first one is financial salesmen. And these are people that are literally, a lot of times they work for a specific company. They only sell a particular product. And, you know, what they're looking to do primarily is just sell a product, you know, and you see people on the annuity side where annuities in a lot of ways have gotten a bad name, a bad rap. There are some very, very good annuities out there that do a great job. But the reason they've got a bad rap is because you got people out there just selling annuities. They're just selling product. And they're in a place where they say, hey, you got to have this. You got to have that. Just buy, you know, hey, what if you could make money? Market never goes down and, you know, everything's good. Zero's your hero. And that's the only part of the conversation they have. And they're just trying to get a big commission on a product. Well, they're selling a product. They're selling annuities. That's a problem. You don't, want, you don't want to do that. And then you got other people on the other side of the aisle that's, that's saying, well, I hate annuities and you should too. And, you know, you've heard that from, from the Fishers and all these other places out there where they're talking about, oh, you know, I'd die and go to hell before I sell an annuity. Well, all they're selling is stuff in the market, right? They're selling, well, you got to buy equities, buy equities, buy equities, or buy bonds, or buy fixed income, or just things in the market in general. And so you have these organizations that are selling product, and that's what they do. And not that all of that product out there is good or bad, but the problem is people aren't sitting down and saying, okay, well, wait a minute, let's not look at this as product. Let's look at it as as a person, as a family, as a plan and create a plan around saying what investment structures should we bring in to this recipe, so to speak, to make the appropriate cake to produce the results we want to produce. So financial salesmen, stay away from them. If you get on the air or you listen on the air, you listen to radio, you listen to TV, you sit down with somebody in the office and all they're talking about is buy this product. Hey, and they lead with product. You know, you shouldn't invest in that and you should invest in this. They're leading with product. They potentially are financial salesmen. You need to be cautious of that. All right. The second thing you need to be cautious of in the box thinking. 
And this kind of overlaps a little bit from what I said prior, but in the box thinking. You know, you've heard it said before, we got to think outside the box. You got to think outside the box. And of course, Taco Bell says you got to think outside the bun, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I mean, thinking inside the box is a problem. And by that, I mean, Randy, you got a lot of these firms out there that their investment structures and styles have really not changed a lot over the years. They've kind of been, you know, status quo. They're doing the same thing. And, and, and the problem with that is the markets have changed. The way we invest have changed. The amount of monies that are invested internationally has changed. If you go back and you look at the amount of money that's been invested in different companies in different countries all over the world, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago versus the amount of money today that is invested in different companies in different countries all over the world. It's a totally different number. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up, Michael, because just this week I'm listening, going through some of the financial networks. Alan Greenspan, you know, the former head of the Fed, was saying that bonds might be actually not as good an investment now as what they used to be. As a matter of fact, they may even be faulted for what's going on right now in the market. Take a listen. Well, let me put it to you this way. I think there are two bubbles. We have a stock market bubble and we have a bond market bubble. I think in the end of the day, the bond market bubble will eventually be the critical issue. So as you just said, uh, for a while, one investment works and then maybe it doesn't work. And you got to have somebody who's in touch with that. Well, yeah. And that's exactly why you got to have uh, out of the box thinking, you know, in, in the box thinking. And he's exactly correct. I mean, when you take a look at bonds just in general, you know, part of the job here is for me to help in listeners, investors start to think on their own. And we've all familiar with the, the old seesaw, you know, the old cherry bumps. <laughs> you know, you go down hard, the other person comes up fast. And and that kind of hurts your, your uh, tailbone, by the way, if you do it on, on hard ground. But I will tell you this, when you take a look at bonds specifically... Interest rates are at all-time lows. And the chances of interest rates going up is great. And if that's the case, par values, because bonds work on a par value, will come down. So what that means, Randy, is the fixed income or, or bond markets in general are, are really not necessarily the best place to be at this stage in the game. Now, that kind of leads me into the third thing. So the first, you know, three things you got to avoid, financial salesmen, in-the-box thinking, number two. And number three, the bigger is better myth. And, you know, we've heard it said at the time, oh, bigger is better, bigger is better, bigger is better. It's not. It's just not, depending on what you're doing. Now, if you're in a place where you only have, you're starting out or you got a couple hundred thousand dollars and that's pretty much it, you know, then maybe a, a big shop is is okay for you. So the names you've heard before, the you know, the Ed Jones, Merrill Lynch, Raymond James, all that stuff of the world, maybe that's okay for you. Bigger firms that are, that are larger in capacity and just kind of set it and forget it a lot of times. Not always, but a lot of times. Maybe that's okay for you. But if you're in a place where you have obtained a fair amount of wealth, you know, at least a million, several million and beyond... Now you're in a, in a situation where you've literally earned the right to have a boutique structure. You know, we're going to talk a little bit later in the show with Dan Kahan. Uh, he is a uh, architect and, and partner of Smithmore Architects talking about boutique luxury real estate. And what you find, Randy, is when people are in a place where they have achieved a certain amount of wealth, they want to have a tailored fit. They want to have a structured fit. They want to have something that's specific to them. And when you look at the bigger is better, you know, oh, you got to be with this huge, large company because it matters. You know, just ask all the people on the Titanic if bigger is better. So you're coming up to the iceberg. Would you rather be in a speedboat or in the Titanic? <laughs> well, I'd rather be in a speedboat because the speedboat's nimble. It's quick. It can position, reposition, change, move as necessary. And it's the same way when you look at your investments. Being with firms that are billion, two billion, three billion, four billion plus in size 
isn't necessarily always the best thing. Now, that doesn't mean they're all bad. It just means that sometimes they're not as boutique in nature as you really want. And that's why our structure is really set up, quite honestly, as a multifamily office. To be in a place where we can serve in an independent, boutique manner. Now, there's other firms out there like us as well, certainly. But that's the kind of thinking that you need to be thinking about as you're in a place where you've achieved a certain level of wealth. To say, okay, maybe I need to step back and get a second set of eyes from a more independent, boutique manner. So three things to stay away from. Absolutely stay away from to protect your wealth. Number one, financial salesman. Number two, in the box thinking. And number three, the bigger is better myth. And Randy, that is my uh, three things you need to avoid uh, for this segment. Because I think it's really, really important for people to just start thinking outside the box themselves. You're listening to The Michael Wall Show, and you can find us online at michaelwallshow.com. For that private wealth review, if you're interested in what Michael is talking about, and you say, you know what, I'd like to talk to Michael more about what he's talking about on the show, you can go to our website, which is michaelwallshow.com. You can see the button down there that says, request my review. There's going to open up a window for you. You can type your name and your email in there and the information that you would like to talk to Michael about. We'll have our team contact you. Again, michaelwallshow.com. Great guest coming up. We're going to talk architecture. We're going to talk about the changing landscape of what's going on there. And if you want to build yourself a custom home what do you do to find that right person to work with you on that project which could last for a long time daniel kahan is going to be our guest coming up next on the michael wall show are you concerned with all the uncertainty that's happening in our country today and how it will affect your finances. Hi, I'm Michael Wall, founder of Wall Private Wealth and the host of The Michael Wall Show. I've written a simple, easy to read book that can help you cut through the nonsense of the financial world, as well as empower you on how to make better financial decisions. Be a better steward of your wealth. Go to retirewellbook.com right now to get your copy. Welcome back to The Michael Wall Show. Michael has appeared on several national media outlets like Fox Business, Bloomberg, and CNBC. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back into the Michael Wall Show, folks. Joined live in studio with a good friend and great guest and a, just a tremendous architect. Dan Kahan is how you say his name. Dan is... Uh, uh, done a lot of travel. He's done a lot of great things in the space. And by the way, if you've missed the other segments of the show so far, make sure you go to michaelwallshow.com. Again, michaelwallshow.com and subscribe to the show. Check out the other segments. But Dan, I'll tell you, we met a couple years ago and uh, you know I've been watching your work. I watch you guys on Instagram, you specifically. Obviously, if you want to check them out, it's daniel.kahan.architect. What inspired you? Obviously, you're from Augusta, which is kind of a cool town. And uh, almost played in the Masters, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just missed it. Just, <laughs> just missed it. Just, just missed it. What What really inspired you when you were younger to say, you know, I really want to move into this architectural space? It's a, it's a good story. So I grew up in Augusta. I was always kind of interested in architecture, but really the, the genesis of it was I spent a lot of time in Mexico City hmm. uh, as a kid growing up. A lot of my family is from there and still lives there. And I had an uncle who was an architect, who still is an architect, retired now, who designed a lot of really amazing things in Mexico City, great modernist buildings, a lot of houses in particular. Huh. And he lives in a house that he designed, and I spent a lot of time staying in that house over summers when I was there. And uh, I was always really inspired by 
the work that he was doing and the way that he approached it. He was he is an amazingly passionate person about what he does, and um, he was designing very very custom things for very specific people, and designing everything that went into those things. So. Mm. You know, he would design every aspect, every aspect, furniture, yeah. you know, all the furniture, mm. silverware sometimes. Mm. I mean, absolutely everything that went into that detail, everything. And, yeah. and so that really inspired me. And that's the model that I that I try and use for all of my projects, really. And so uh, that was that was the genesis of really wanting to be an architect, I would say, and really wanting to be a, a residential architect or something designing something for someone very specifically and something that they were going to live in use in a very personal way i think to me that's the most interesting thing about what i do so i mean that was sort of the architectural aspect i was always interested in designing things mm-hmm. i was always sketching things out and building always a visionary a of, yeah i spent a mm-hmm. lot of time uh just making random things out of legos <laughs> uh, sounds like my son cyrus by the way he's building all the time yeah it's funny last this past mm-hmm. weekend i gave a like a little class sort of workshop at the society of the four arts in palm beach mm-hmm. uh for kids on using legos just wow to, okay. just to make make things and it's uh it's really it's great it's uh it's fun and it's a really good way of teaching people you know how to visualize things and make things that that they don't necessarily need to have a plan or be following rules or instructions but just putting something together uh, mm. so it was a lot of fun actually i was really pleasantly surprised with how the kids dove right into it and made really interesting things. Allowing a platform for creativity, I think. And that's so missed and lost in a lot of ways in our culture today. So I love that. Let me ask you this, because, you know, when you look at architecture in general, there's so many different types, right? And and it varies all across the scale and, and from people's, you know, perspectives, backgrounds, what they're used to. And it's changed in a lot of ways, but I think in a lot of ways it's stayed the same too, you know, and even become, you know, more unique. And I know you guys specifically at Smithmore, you're an architect there, work kind of exclusively with residential, high-end luxury boutique. That's one thing that intrigued me, by the way, too, because at our firm, Wall Private Wealth, that's 100% the focus, boutique sure, on the wealth side. But what do you see um, when people come to you? why they come to you? Are they, they Is it because they've done work with you before? Is it because they've just been referred? Is it because they're saying, you know what, we have an idea and we'd like to see you fulfill and, and kind of grow this vision or we want to start from, from scratch? What do you see when people come in? Do they have a clue of what they want to do or not really? You know, it's a little bit of both, honestly. I mean, people come to us through all sorts of different avenues. Some of them are, are people we've designed something for before uh, and those mm-hmm. people are great because you have a rapport with them already. You sort of have an understanding of... of their process and, and their personality. Uh, but other people come to us through referrals from some of those people. They might have seen work that we've done. And people come in with varying levels of understanding of what it is that ultimately they want to do. Hmm. Uh, sometimes they have, uh, sometimes it's a house that we're going to sort of modify or do something with. Sometimes they already have a piece of land that they want to build something on. Sometimes they don't. Hmm. They have an idea of what it is they're looking for and will help them sort of find something or a place where they can build what it is that they're looking for. And so it really varies a lot uh, from person to person. But ultimately, it's all about sort of making a connection personally mm-hmm. with those people yeah. and then interpreting what it is they're looking for. You, some people may think they know exactly what it is that they're coming in for. And through dialogue and discussion and getting to know them, it changes a little bit. You know, it doesn't change a lot necessarily, but it evolves through discussion from initial concepts and conversations to sketches and then all the way through the process, it's an evolution figuring out what is the right thing for just that that person. And tell me this, I know you do a lot of traveling. You know, we went to New York a couple years ago at the Siami Christmas party and, and connected yeah. up there. And you, you travel a lot, look at a lot of different architecture. 
Uh, and I really enjoyed it. And I went to Berlin at the Eads conference, which was really, really cool for yeah. me. You seen things and see things in a different way. And I, one of the things that I think I enjoy about what you do and your work, Dan, is you're studied. You're not just, hey, this is the way I've always done it. This is the way I'm going to do it. You're always looking for newer, better, more creative. And you're thinking outside the box, which I like. What do you think inspires you to continue to do that in your perspective? Because, you know, a lot of people can get stale in their, in their artwork. I travel a lot. I travel constantly. Some of it is very, very specifically to go see something relative to what I'm doing. Or if I'm in New York, constantly sourcing materials and uh-huh. new kind of ideas and things. I travel all over for those sorts of things. But, you know, I think you're adding layers of sort of understanding of, of the world generally as you mm-hmm. travel. And that manifest itself in what you design maybe not even directly you may not see something and sort of repeat that thing but it it adds sort of a layer of complexity to your understanding of how things work and you know i I think that that makes the process all that more interesting i mean to me you you know i would prefer never to design the same thing twice Mm -hmm. Uh, and so i think there's an evolution as you're as you're going through the process and designing something that changes every single time and you make yourself better and better and better and, you know, you add that layer of nuance and complexity to what it is you're designing. And I think that traveling and, and seeing things, new things, or even going back to some place and seeing it again, allows you, you know, to, to take on a whole new understanding of those sorts of things. So we're having a conversation live in studio here with Dan Kahan. He is an architect with Smithmore Architects. You can follow him on daniel.kahan.architect on Instagram, having uh, just good thoughts in this whole architectural space and how it's changed. I want to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about what you should be looking for. If you want to build a high-end luxury home, you want to redo, refurb your place. You know, there's a lot of people, a lot of architects, a lot of firms you can choose from. Just two or three things that you really need to be looking at when you're trying to find that perfect fit to help you design your dream property. So stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Worried about losing money in another market crash? Ever wonder if your investments are in the right place? I'm Michael Wall, founder of Wall Private Wealth, radio show host and TV commentator. There's a lot of fog in the financial industry, and I want investors to be able to break through that fog. That's why I wrote the book, Retire Once, Retire Well. It reveals secrets that Wall Street doesn't want you to know and gives you insider tips to help you maximize your wealth. Go to retirewellbook.com to get your copy right now. You're listening to The Michael Wall Show. Catch up on previous episodes at michaelwallshow.com. Now, back to the show. It's a beautiful day. Well, welcome back into the Michael Wall Show. Joined live in studio again, our good friend Dan Kahan. He is here, rock star, uh, kind of like what you just listened there, beautiful day, rock star architect on the island here of Palm Beach. And he's done work in, in many ways in, in all over the world through the firm. But Dan, we're talking and having a conversation about um, architecture, how to find a great architect, why boutique matters, and all of these different conversations. Dan, you know, we were kind of talking off air a little bit about the idea of this whole green fad. Everybody wants to be green and building sustainably, but doing it in a way where it's unique. Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think obviously the, the term green and sustainable are, are buzzwords now, as, as they should be, honestly. I mean, people need to be thinking responsibly about what it is they're building and the impact that's going to have long term on, 
you know, on, on our environment generally. Mm. Uh, but I think that there's there's a way of doing it that that doesn't necessarily say this was built in 2017 or 2018 when mm-hmm. this was a trend and this was a trend. Uh, I mean, I think that approaching things as a unique design problem, but understanding sustainability aspects of everything is is really is sort of the critical thing. Uh, so. I mean, you want to design something that is essentially timeless or as Mm -hmm. timeless as you can make it, whether or not it's something that's in a classical style, which I do a lot of, or something that's in a much more modern style, which I've done a lot more of recently. I think understanding the sort of historical context with which, you know, within your fitting. uh, So there's a great history of modern architecture. People think that it's brand new all the time. There's a great history of that. And it also derives itself from classical architecture. Mm. So understanding sort of the context historical context that you're fitting within and then applying those rules but then breaking them sort of consciously allows you to create something that's not the same as everything else but it's it's also not derivative of everything else it's an interpretation of sort of the historical context that you're fitting within and then applying the ideas of sustainability to that in a way that's not okay now we have this let's just slap this on it and and call it green understanding Mm. that the idea of building something Mm. that uh, is of a quality level that will make it permanent. Right. Uh, means that someone's not going to come back in 10 years. Especially say, in the coastal markets, sure, right? Yeah. Where you got and, storms and hurricanes, all yeah. these things coming through. This property, is so important. Yeah, and property is so valuable yeah. here that, yeah. uh, you know, it's always, it, the value of it is always going up. And so mm-hmm. it's it's easy for someone to come back in in 10 or 15 years and see the the house that you designed and valued only for the property if it, if the building isn't of a certain quality level yeah. and a certain permanence. Right. And so, you know, it's really not sustainable to, to tear something down after 10 or 15 years. But if you design something and it gets built at a quality level that makes it something that, that will have a legacy and stick around for a really, really long time, mm. there's a sustainable aspect to that and creating something that's going to be there for a long time. I'd say beyond that, recently I finished a house, a modern house in Palm Beach that uh, is a, a really cool kind of classically derived modern house uh, but it has a, a big roof garden on the top mm. and love that within the roof garden we put in a lot of solar panels mm-hmm. that are sort of really kind of sculpturally embedded within the greenery that's on mm. the rooftop of that and uh, so the house is is essentially uh, net zero from an energy standpoint on, wow. a, really, on a really good day uh, but it's also a really pleasant experience to be up on the roof garden the solar panels aren't kind of garish and in your face mm-hmm. the way you would imagine mm-hmm. them to be. It's part of this sort of composition. Like all part on of roof. one roof under panels. It was yeah, all well. It's, it's yeah. part of the composition in the grass. And by mm. by embedding it in the greenery, what's interesting is that it, it lowers the ambient temperature of the roof. And hmm. so the solar panels are more efficient when the their ambient temperature is lower. And so there's a there's a visual kind of design beauty aspect to it, but it's also a functional way of making it that much more efficient. I love that. I love that. And uh, we promised the listeners, so Dan, we got to go ahead and, and, and come through. And that was to talk about, we're going to end with this. Again, we're having a conversation with Dan Kahan. He is a, a great friend and an architect on the island, Palm Beach, doing, a, doing just terrific work out there and, and all over the world in a lot of ways. But we talked about this and that is you know somebody comes in palm beach is a hot spot it it might be la it could be somewhere else sure but they're literally in a place where they say hey i want to build a home and i want to build a high-end home luxury Mm -hmm. that's your market that's your space and they want to be in a place where they find the right architect to help them fulfill their dreams all the way down to the details or maybe they have details and, and thoughts in their own mind but they just need guidance and where to actually go because even sometimes when you get referred to somebody that might be okay, but they may not necessarily be in the wheelhouse of what you want done. 
Potentially. Sure. sure. So what are one or two things that people should be looking for when they're looking for an architect to say, okay, this is what I should look at to make sure I get the right marriage in that aspect? It's a long-term relationship that you're developing with, with your architect for a project like these. I mean, we're talking about a couple of years from the first time that we sit down to the time that you get to move into your house. Mm-hmm. So it's, you develop a long-term kind of personal relationship with this, with this person, with your client for me and with the architect for, for them. Uh, and that needs to be something that's built on, on an appreciation for each other and trust uh, because, you know, you really have to be open with one another as you go through. So I'd say that, you know, that's a really critical component. They should, they should meet with someone and make sure that they, they feel like they have a connection and, a, and an ability to trust that person in both directions. I mean, it, it's a, it is a relationship that's reciprocal. Mm. And yeah. to, to have a really good product, it needs to be a good reciprocal relationship. For the architect even to feel comfortable that they're going to go Absolutely. all in, right? No, I mean, these projects are, are really, really personal for mm-hmm. me as an architect. And mm-hmm. I would tell the person, the client, you know, this would be a tip of mine is to, to talk to someone and it needs to be they need to be able to see the the passion in the person they're interviewing mm-hmm. to be their architect, mm-hmm. right? This needs mm-hmm. to be important to them. They need to really love what it is they're doing. And so, you know, I'd say that that relationship is really critical. The other thing I would say is, you know, and people have different levels of experience in going through projects. Some people, they've, some of our clients, you know, they're building their fifth house or sixth house. Uh, so they've been through the process and they sort of understand that. Uh, but for the people who are new to it, you know, maybe they haven't built a house yet. They you know, this is maybe their second or third property, but they, they haven't actually designed something for themselves yet or had someone design something. They need to understand sort of the level of um, of detail and depth that they need mm-hmm. to get into to really mm-hmm. make it successful. And not everyone is capable of, not every architect is capable or interested, honestly, in, in diving in quite that deep. Uh, and so I think they need to, uh, they, they just really need to do a little bit of homework and meet with people. But I think Back to the the first point I made, it's really about finding someone who has that passion mm-hmm. for what they're doing. And if they do, and you've seen work that they've done in the past that that you know meets your expectation, then I think you know you can find a good fit. But uh, but I think it really requires sort of that connection, or that initial connection uh, personally, is one of the most important things. Well, and you well, two things that I took away there. So as you're listening to this, the first thing I took away is passion, and it's probably the most important. As Dan, I hear you saying, and that is so if you're looking for someone to help you with this. Passion matters. You know, everybody can do a job to make money, to do the thing, support their livelihood, whatever. But when you're passionate about what you do, it's not just a job. It's, it's really a, a way of life and you enjoy the process and it shows through. I was talking with clients about that before. You know, if people, if you've heard us in times past, you'll find out and you'll know we're passionate about what we do because I believe there's a need for help in the financial space, which is our, and, and in other spaces. Dan, one of the things that I loved about you, and that's why I want to have you on the show, is, is it's clear to see you're passionate about what you do. So number one, find someone that's passionate in their space. But number two, passion's great, but you got to have a level of expertise as well. And I think what I heard you saying is, is having a realistic mindset. You know, if you're in a place where you're like, okay, I want to build a beautiful home. Uh, maybe it's my first, second, third, whatever project, but you're not really committed to spending the time to dial in, to do what's necessary, to have something that's really phenomenal and, and wowing, if you will. Uh, then you might want to rethink your process of what you want to do and how you want to do it. So passion, find someone that's passionate and find someone that's willing to go deep with you. Dan, I hate to say it, we, we're coming to a to a bookend here for a segment. 
I'm going to let you have the last word with our listeners. What would you share? Anything, thoughts, ideas, comments, whatever. Uh, you don't have to brag about your golf swing. I, I get that. I know you're a good golfer. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but no what, what would you? What would? I'm kidding. What would you share to our listeners about architecture in general? Well, I would just say educate yourself as as a person. You know, architecture is is one of those things that. Uh, sometimes gets taken for granted it's all around us mm-hmm. now, and it's all around us in good variants and in bad variants but you know if you really take the time to educate yourself and learn and if you're if you have a project coming up and you want to meet with someone you know get to know them and, mm-hmm. and really get involved in the process you'll you'll find that you enjoy it and educate yourself in architecture and you know you'll you'll find that everyday life is more interesting as you you take things in a little bit differently but uh but no it's great i i think you know i can go on forever about about this but uh but no you I love it it was yeah i do you I love it which it. is good yeah i mean my my, my projects are are my passion mm-hmm. and uh it's it's great you know so to check out some cool photos you can go to two spots smithmorearchitects.com you can also go to and follow daniel daniel.kahan.architect on instagram and as always if you missed the first part first segment last parts of the show go to michaelwallshow.com or quite honestly just get your smartphone and uh, look to subscribe. Just search for The Michael Wall Show on your favorite podcast app. Great way to do it. And we'll make sure we have this information up and running for you if you're listening via radio. But, Dan, thanks so much for joining us live in studio. Thank Appreciate you. you. Yeah, it was great. Thank and uh, maybe sometime we'll have another conversation about what you're seeing in, in this space moving forward. Yeah, I'd love to. Sounds good. And you know, we had a 50th anniversary of the Hot Wheels. Talking about that uh, car, that little bus. It was worth $125,000. Amazing. What you may not also know is there's a 20th anniversary of the Roth IRA. You say, what is that? Or maybe you're using that. Maybe you're not utilizing it. How does it work? You might say, I got too much income. I can't get into Roth. Guess what? There's a little back door. We're going to talk about how you can actually save money in taxes significantly coming up right after this. I just want to stay in the sun where I find. I know it's hard sometimes. Pieces of peace in Worry about losing money in another market crash? Ever wonder if your investments are in the right place? I'm Michael Wall, founder of Wall Private Wealth, radio show host and TV commentator. There's a lot of fog in the financial industry, and I want investors to be able to break through that fog. That's why I wrote the book, Retire Once, Retire Well. It reveals secrets that Wall Street doesn't want you to know and gives you insider tips to help you maximize your wealth. Go to retirewellbook.com to get your copy right now. Welcome back to the Michael Wall Show. And welcome back to the Michael Wall Show online, michaelwallshow.com. A little Sammy Hager there for you. Talk about cars, Michael. There's a guy who had some interesting cars. You were out to see his cars, weren't you? Yeah, we had a great time. Sammy is uh, just a good dude. I was at his studio in uh, San Fran and actually recorded a segment with him. Just a just a fun guy. In fact, I always have right in the studio, as you know, Randy, a picture with Sammy and I pointing at you saying, come on, baby, let's do it. And he's uh, <laughs> he's just a, just a cool dude. He When I was out there, he had uh, Green Day's uh, drum set in, in, in studio, which was fun. And then we did a little tour of his car collection, looked at his La Ferrari, all his other Ferraris, and uh, had some great dinner with his wife and him at a, uh, one of the restaurants. So, yeah, just an overall great guy. 
All right, 20th anniversary, you mentioned, of the Roth IRA. A lot of people mm. have been able to use yeah. that, but for higher income earners, that's capped off, and people yep. are not able to use the Roth IRA, but you have an answer for that, don't you? We, Yeah, you know, we, we really do, because I'll tell you, Randy, we see a lot, the folks that we work with, their income typically is in a place where it exceeds the threshold where they can actually put monies into a Roth IRA. You know, we're in a place where you have to say, okay, what are our options? What can we do? Should we use them? Now, I will t- I'll tell you this, as, as we run into and work with families that have a more significant wealth. You know, a lot of that monies are either uh, dialed into different trusts or donor advised trusts or different things specifically in general. Oftentimes it's non-qualified type money, but there is often monies that is qualified money or IRA type money, 401k money that rolls to IRAs or deferred comp or, you know, things like that, even 403Bs if you're in the education space or nonprofit space. And so what happens a lot of times is that money rolls over to an IRA an IRA is fine because you get the tax deduction when you put the money in, but when as the money grows, you're literally growing the portion of the monies for the government as well because that money's never been taxed. So when you take a look at an account, you say, okay, I got a million bucks in an IRA or whatever that is. The answer is no, you don't. You have 700000 <laughs> The government's got three hundred grand because as you take that money out, that money's going to be taken out and the government's going to get taxes. So if you just grow that portfolio, that IRA piece, maybe you have other wealth and that's fine, but you just say, I'm just going to grow that IRA piece. Well, you might be in a place where you're, you're saying, okay, what else can I do here strategically to not grow the government's portion? And I, I want to encourage you and challenge you to look at the idea of strategic conversion. The Roth IRA is still in place. As we talked about, it's 20th anniversary now. And you can literally do strategic conversion with a Roth, take IRA monies, and convert it over to Roth IRA monies, and there is no income requirement in order to do that. So it's kind of a little backdoor to utilize the Roth. Now, why is that important? The reason that's important, Randy, is because once we convert money to a Roth, that money literally now grows tax-free. Not tax-deferred, tax-free. And the other thing that's really cool about that is that it gives you the ability to literally transfer that monies to two generations continuing to grow tax-free as well. The other thing it avoids is the need for us to go ahead and take out RMDs, required minimum distributions. So when you retire, you roll money over. We have a lot of clients that just say, Mike, you know what, with my wealth, I'm going to maybe take some income. But from some of their portfolio, they just don't need the money. They, they've, you know, they got things paid for. They have enough income coming in in other sources. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. And so what happens is those IRA accounts were forced to take monies out at 70 and a half, whether we want to or not. The government mandates that. And oh, by the way, there's a 50% penalty if you don't take the money out. So you want to make sure that you do. Well, doing a Roth conversion, what it does is it gives you the ability to strategically reposition monies from the tax deferred side of the aisle to the tax free side of the aisle. Now, when you do that, obviously you have to pay taxes on the monies. It shows up on your, your tax return as ordinary income for the year. But one of the things we can do is reposition that with other tax strategies, whether it's implementing donor advised funds or looking at land deals or other things where we can literally get tax deductions and wash off the taxes we would pay as we convert. So these are very, very important topics. So oftentimes we're able to, Randy, transition monies from IRA type accounts to Roth IRA type accounts, which gives us the ability to grow tax free and do some strategic planning to wash off all of those taxes in the process. So how good is that? We get to have our cake and eat it too. It's a beautiful thing, and that money's growing tax-free over time, which is 
very, very large when you look at what that can do, not only for your future, but your family's future. And now you literally have an account that is growing tax-free. It's powerful, and it's typically the last amount of money, the last piece of the portfolio that we want to touch. We're going to then go take money from other sources that have tax-favored income and let that tax-free money just continue to grow. So a little backdoor tip for the Roth IRA in our 20th anniversary, Randy, and I know you're all over that yourself. Absolutely. Great information, and that's why we have the program. And if you want to find out more, and as Michael said, if you kind of got in here on the middle, well, make sure you go to michaelwallshow.com and you can catch up on all of this show and past shows as well. Michael, we're just about out of time here, so I'm going to give you the last word. Yeah, appreciate that. And hey, thanks again. Thanks for tuning in, dialing in for another show each and every each and every week. MichaelWallShow.com. Make sure you subscribe if you're listening on the radio. Go to MichaelWallShow.com or just search Michael Wall Show on your favorite podcast app. Listen back if you missed the show. I talked a little bit about our responsibility in response to the Parkland situation. Tragic. But there's things that we can all personally do to respond and add value. And then we had a great conversation with Dan Kahan. Great architect from the island, Palm Beach Island, talking about luxury real estate and talking about what that looks like. We also talked about the three things you need to stay away from when it comes to your wealth to protect yourself. And of course, some great insight there on the Roth conversion and Roth strategies as we're in our 20th anniversary of that. But let me challenge you with this. As you go off into your life and you continue this week, my goal for you And for all of us is to add value to someone who can do nothing in return. So here is my challenge, and that is to live with purpose so you can live on purpose. Thanks for dialing in, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to The Michael Wall Show. To schedule your personal wealth review, call 888-511-WALL. That's 888-511-9255. To find out more about Michael and the team at The Wall Financial Group, head to leanonthewall.com. By contacting us, we'll review aspects of your retirement portfolio to include suggestions about how to best utilize stocks, bonds, life insurance, annuities, and other financial products, or if changing management styles is appropriate for your specific needs and objectives. Michael Wall is an investment advisor representative of Wall Private Wealth LLC, a registered investment advisor, and solicitation offered through Clarify Advisory Network, an SEC registered investment advisor. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than what originally invested. Michael Wall is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Insurance and annuities offered through Wall Financial Group Inc.